there and welcome to another episode of the Wrong Football Podcast. My name's Dan, I'm here with G, as always, the editor of wrongfootball.com, and we're here to talk all things American football again this week. I'm going to go make a marmalade sandwich. Excellent. <laughs> Very topical. Uh, on this week's episode, we're going to be uh, t- taking a look at a couple of the bigger news stories from around the league uh, over the last couple of weeks. And also, we're wrapping up our look at the NFC by travelling west to see how the likes of the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Rams and the 49ers might get on in the upcoming 2017 season. But first off, how are you doing, G? You all okay? Yeah, busy, busy, busy. Work being work type things and... and just trying to crack on and the NFL is coming I got an exciting email well I say an exciting email but they've been playing with the Game Pass um, site so we've got a new site coming up and bits and pieces in only 72 days to football and so that was you know it's like yes it's we're, we're nearing training camp people Football is coming. Oh, extremely exciting. Um, well, let's have a look at some of the, uh, the news stories from the last couple of weeks. And it's certainly been a, uh, an interesting couple of weeks in Kansas. Um, John Dorsey uh, is not in Kansas anymore. He's, uh, he's, uh, it was the former GM. Uh, he's parted ways with the, uh, the franchise. He's been there for, uh, since, well, since 2013 when he came in with, uh, with Andy Reid, the head coach. And in his four seasons there, uh, the Chiefs have finished with winning records 11 and 5, 9 and 7, 11 and 5, and 12 and 4, making the playoffs three times as well. Not everyone's happy with it though. Um, linebacker uh, Tamba Halley has, uh, has said he's he's particularly disappointed with uh, with it. Um, Andy Reid is one that's always had a clause in his contract which gives him the, the last word on all footballing matters. Something that I'm even not particularly sure about is is where the line is drawn between head coach and GM. What does the GM do within within a team? Oh, good grief! That's a, so you so you're just starting straight out with like the really simple question of absolutely what yeah. <laughs> Um, the GM basically runs everything around the, the franchise yeah. that's non-football and to an extent football. I mean, they have other people, but you know, it, when they say that he has final say on all football matters, we're really talking about his final say on the roster, and, and that's not so unusual. Mm. But he's in charge of a team who do all the um, evaluating and the scouting. He'll be the guy that runs probably runs the draft board and at least does the legwork until Andy Reid, you know, has time when he's not coaching to come in and look at it. He runs the rest of the club. He's, you know, hiring and firing and looking after all kinds of things. And there's, there's a team under him, but he's the man that they go to who, you know, deals with everything that goes with staging a football game. Yeah. Well, it's um, it's a strange time, for instance, for them to be making a change to the GM, isn't it? Usually it happens kind of after the end of the season. We've seen a couple go um, straight after the draft. What do, you, what do you make of this one? It is indeed strange timing. Um, there's... There's a couple of things that I've sort of heard on rumour mill, and I'm not sure how much we'll ever know. But you know, there's speculation that it's to do with the relationship between the GM and the owner. Obviously, they've just cut Jeremy Macklin, and they've they yeah. had a slightly strange draft as well. In that, obviously, they've been to the the playoffs for the last couple of years, and they're pushing on, and they've done well, but they've not quite over the top. And they've just dra- traded up to pick a quarterback in a in a draft that's not well stocked in terms of the quarterback talent coming out wasn't particularly exciting people and yet they traded up um, I think like a first and third this year and a first next year to get a developmental quarterback and I'm wow, just wondering if, if it's something to do with that draft or something internally or cap management and I, there was some talk that he'd never really learned like the cap management side of things so he you know he'd come from player evaluation but he sort of was reliant on somebody else to manage the cap and they weren't sure that they were necessarily doing that great a job I'm not one of those people that spends hours poring over salary cap management. Um, my general rule is if you don't cut too many players and you don't give them lots of dead money, then you'll have less problems. And teams seem to be some teams seem to be getting better at managing it. Basically, 
I don't really know much about it except when you, you look at it and go, that's going wrong because they can't afford anybody. Um, <laughs> clearly things weren't right there, but the Chiefs are not a franchise, that, particularly one that strikes me, that are chopping and changing. It's not like, say, um, the Raiders when Al Davis was there and you'd almost expect him to be firing a GM every other yeah, year. It, yeah. It's kind of, it, it is a surprising move and I don't know if there's some power play, whether Andy Reid was unhappy with the players that he was you know, being brought or, or, or persuade, persuaded to pick I, I'm just not sure I'm guessing the process wasn't working and I know I so often come back to process but I'm guessing that somewhere in that chain of owner GM and head coach which is sort of like the key bits on the football side of things that something wasn't running how they would like whether it would just be character issues or a combination of character and football but something in that nexus wasn't functioning how it should Mm, that's it. Well, uh, moving on to uh, to Miami. I don't. I don't generally like to go through the Miami bits because I, I I don't want to look like I'm uh, biased and, and just focusing on Miami because I'm obviously a big uh, Miami Dolphins fan. So, so you're sort of like the anti Neil Reynolds. He'll mention them, but usually to disparage every chance he gets. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, Jarvis Landry is uh, is without a doubt been one of the uh, the shining stars of the Miami Dolphins offense for the uh, the past couple of seasons. Um, and now he's entering the the last year of his rookie contract. His, his agent has, has put a deadline for on. on the Dolphins to agree an extension um, they've been told that after once the season starts he's not going to be talking about his contract he's not going to be discussing it and this year he's, he's set to make less than $900,000 which obviously is a huge amount of money but for, for somebody it, as, as things go in comparison to other uh, similar wide receivers that's actually not a, not a lot of money um, how much do you think the Dolphins need to get this tied up and to get him under a new contract can I ask a couple of questions about that go on because do you know what round pick he was uh, I actually don't. It was. It, I've got a feeling it was like third or fourth. Right. Okay. So the reason I'm asking is that with the first round picks, you get an extra fifth year option, which most teams pick up yeah. just to pick it up. Um, the, the fact is that if they really want to keep him, they can just franchise him. Uh, depending on what other players you've got coming up with free agents, and so this is this is the thing with a sort of player like that is that you can tie them up if you really want to, but you might damage your long term bits and pieces. But wide receiver is one of those positions where a lot of money is paid so you might not want to play the average of the top five there's still time it sort of depends on what type of club you are yeah. the Bengals will quite often re-sign their own going into training camp so they'll get free agency out of way and they'll still have some money and it, it's sort of like at the beginning of training camp sort of everybody goes in a way in the holiday in the NFL this break between sort of like organized team activities and training camp is sort of the opportunities for most of the staff in the front office to get away and actually have their holiday before they get grind back of postseason, hopefully, and then interview draft. So this is like your one opportunity to get a holiday in. Yeah. But once they come back, certainly with Bengals, and I'm sure other teams do it as well, you, you've got an opportunity to nail out and try and do those extensions on the players you keep. So it might be a good idea to get him before the season's going. You can always franchise tag him, but mm. I, I'm not sure historically how the Dolphins have operated. You might be in a better position to tell me. In ter- what, in terms of the franchise tag? Well, yeah, that and their approach to how retaining free agents and how they generally approach their their own players. Um, this honestly doesn't seem to be that much of an approach that I've particularly noticed. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I can I, the, the good thing for the, for me with this with this one is that he's making all the right noises. He's saying he wants to he wants to to stay in Miami. He wants to play play for Dol- for the Dolphins, which is obviously he's, he's going to say that, isn't he? But. He sounds, <laughs> not yeah. necessarily we've had plenty of players who haven't and the other thing is he has, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe he's come out and said I want all the money which no, is he's the not. other yeah so yeah well really, realistically if he doesn't stay in Miami after this year where do you think he might end up could he, do you think he could, could potentially go and uh, join his mate in, uh, in, in New York and, uh, and play with uh, Odell Beckham 
I wouldn't have thought the Giants had the cap space. I no. mean, this is always the question. Is it is it's, it's so hard to predict like a year out in the NFL because so much changes and you don't know who will be losing coaches and who won't be. And, and we get an art feels for sort of like the regular players and free agency. But um, I'm not entirely sure because everybody could do a good, good receiver and it's hard to predict where they'll go. What I'm curious about more is whether you feel, because you've had a change in GM relatively recently, haven't you? Yeah. You've had a number yeah. of them and whether you know, this is one of those things to watch and how they draft and they felt like they draft the last couple of ones a bit better. And if they can sort of sharpen up the front office, which is always the bit that terrified me, <laughs> I think, you know, I'm not surprised he's keen to stay if he believes in his quarterback and Adam Gase going into his second year doing, yeah. such, you know, you know, really coming together. I can, I could see that as being a real helpful for you getting better deals because, Definitely. you know, players will be keen to come and stay. That's it. I think, I think there's a, there's such a real feel good factor around, around the team at the minute. Um, and people do seem to seem to really really like really enjoy what what Adam Gase is doing. So yeah, I, I think personally, I, I think he probably will end up staying. Um, I really think we need to wrap him up, or certainly need to at least at least tag him because uh, we can't be we can't be losing someone of uh, someone of that uh, that stature. I don't think. Well, the other thing for me is that part of the um, the interest with sort of running a team is you have to take advantage of your local conditions mm. and one of the things that you've got going for you in miami is no state taxes in florida and who doesn't want to live in miami and you know sunny weather. all the year yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know it, it's you should i'm not saying i would um focus on free agency because i still think it's a dangerous way to do it but i think mm. you should go in sort of like have a balanced approach and maybe avoid that first here but you know go for good veterans and, and the right player right spot and i think that you should be able to sell a good coach in a city like miami fair, fairly easily so yeah. there's no real excuse for the dolphins not to be able to put a um a good roster together if they draft well and and, and concentrate on what they're doing because they're not trading and you know they've not got the small market and the and the bag climate and everything else it's just an, another couple of extra little things that should help you sell a franchise thank you for jinxing that now yeah um. <laughs> no no I, i'm genuinely i was worried last year because of the history of your of your front office and i was worried that that would be too much for adam gase who i had a lot of respect for yeah. there's always questions about any first-time head coach but you know given what he'd done as a coordinator and you know the people like peyton manning were speaking so highly of him i thought you know i had a lot of hope for him and he mm. sort of tra- he won me over in 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 last season in the coaching job he did in the way he turned it around and kept that group together when it early on it could have really gone wrong and i just I, I do genuinely feel as positive about the dolphins as i felt for a little while the problem you've got is that it doesn't feel like the patriots are going anywhere anytime soon no they're not they're not they're not moving but um, shall we move away from dolphins daily Let's move away from the Dolphins. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we mentioned uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, a little bit earlier. He's he's, he's missed some time in the uh, in the Giants OTAs, organised team activities. Um, it's it's caused a bit of a bit of a stir amongst the football press. Um, but uh, Justin Pugh, uh, one of the guards there, um, has, has kind of played it down. Says that he, he believes that he's had un- unwarranted column inches. He's, he's probably had by, by uh, from from what he's saying uh, more column inches than all of the other players that missed OTAs put together. Um, Giants management and players don't uh, don't seem to be too fussed about it, but the uh, obviously the press uh, love to make a uh, make a meal out of things like that. Um, what do you know about the situation? Have you have you can you see any reason for him not turning up? It's really really strange for me in that I've heard several commentators talk about the fact that if it was like uh, a contract move and he was mm. petitioning for for a new contract that they'd really understand it, but he sort of came out and said no, I just need to get my head together, and it sounded like a slightly wishy-washy reason for not being there. I don't yeah. think it's going to cause huge problems. I, I genuinely don't. However, 
it's sort of making something for the media to beat you with when you don't need to. And sort of he went out with his cleats. I don't know if you heard about this. And he had like all, all, all various media outlets with like shh written next to him. And first of all, who has time to do that with their cleats? But second of all, <laughs> um, it's just I do feel it's overhyped, but I feel like he plays into it. And I, I feel like it's not any malice. It's not it's not like he's a bad guy or anything. I just think there's a certain level of immaturity. And I'm wondering... I think it's very easy for anybody who gets a certain amount of fame or a certain amount of adulation yeah. young to sort of lose track of, of not necessarily even work ethic because he's clearly putting the effort in and he's, he's amazingly talent, but just, just you need people around you to say no and oi, you're being a bit of a knobber. <laughs> uh, and, and it's sort of like, I think it's a very British thing that we're kind of, you know, it's not like we don't, so you know people in, from england don't fall to the same things but you know there's a certain amount of of sort of english sort of like you know one's getting a bit too big for one's boots and some friends will pull yeah, you down yeah. and it just it feels like he could do with somebody around him just to mentor him a little bit which is interesting because i think eli manning probably would do a really good job of that if he was opening to it but I think you're right. that's the bit that worries me is like when he's over emotional on the sideline and when he's missing otas when i think you know it would be helpful it's not like awful i don't think it's gonna you set them back massively but i just think for team camaraderie and building a good locker room it would be helpful if your best player was there and i put it this way i would much rather have a larry fitzgerald who sets the tone who's there first who's working all the time who gives that impression to 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 the entire roster and sort of the young players this is how you do it as my star player than than the stuff that's going on with obj and i don't think that he's a bad person or it's all terrible i think the media terribly overblown it but just personally i, I would prefer a little bit more of a more of a workmanlike attitude. Yeah. A workmanlike <laughs> attitude. Yeah, it's just one of those things, isn't it? Sense. It's just just part and parcel of him being the uh, the poster boy of the NFL, isn't it? Wherever he goes, controversy seems to follow him. There is some of that, but I do think he, he sort of courts it, and not deliberately, but I, I think through his actions, he brings some of it on himself. But I wouldn't disagree with his guard either. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, you're spot on. Um, last thing we're going to look at before we move on to our divisional preview uh, of the NFC West uh, is uh, is a list. Uh, media news, media love, love a list in the off-season, and ESPN are, are no different. I'm um, desperately trying to avoid doing them on the site. I mean, I've got vague things in the, in, in plan, but life keeps getting in the way. But yeah, it does like <laughs> 37 reasons why the Bengals will do well next season. It yeah, does seem exactly. to be like, like the modern media format, doesn't they, it? They love it. They absolutely love a list. Well, ESPN this week have, uh, have, have made a list of quarterbacks whose careers have benefited from from time in the, the now defunct NFL Europe. Um NFL Europe for, for those of you who don't know ran from nineteen ninety one to two thousand and seven, served as a bit of a bit of a developmental league for for the main NFL. Um, and the list of, of players who, who were there, I'll I'll, I'll tweet the uh, the link to the to the to the story. Um but the list of players that uh, of quarterbacks who, who went through it: Kurt Warner, Jay Fiedler, uh, Jake Delarm, Brad Johnson. Uh, there's some some decent names that have gone through that. And I mean what do you think? Obviously, it's no it's no longer a uh, a, a, a thing now. It's, it's completely been defunct. What do you think the league misses by no longer having that that kind of ability to export players to help with their development? What it's missing is the chance to develop players who are further behind the, the track in terms of becoming professional players. Mm. And this is something if you listen to coaches, they're complaining more and more about for certain positions because of the way the college game is going. And so you'll hear a lot of talk if you're paying attention to the quality of line. Players play at the moment quarterback development is a big one and everybody focuses on quarterbacks so it's no surprise that this is the leading point but I think it's a really good 
it may not be the world's most amazing list in terms of oh wow but i think it's a really interesting topic because there is momentum and people talking about a developmental league and i'm not sure that we're just going to get nfl europe back because the problem with nfl europe was that they were trying to sort of grow the game in europe but they were doing it with what everybody who sort of already knew the game knew was like a second class yeah. product yeah. so you had a mixture of people who knew that it wasn't nfl football and then locals who didn't know what's going on and if you listen to someone like andrew brandt who um, ran the Barcelona Dragons. He, he'd talk about you know people turning up and not understanding and basically celebrating field goals and the extra point more than touchdowns because it was kicking the ball and they understood <laughs> that and 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 you know the homesickness problems and it, it was a really interesting time. But it did serve as a really good developmental league for certain players and positions. And Kurt yeah. Warner is obviously the standout name on this list of quarterbacks. But someone like John Kintner who got to cut his teeth and had you know a good run in in Seattle. I'm fairly certain and definitely yeah, had a good couple of years with the Bengals but most importantly was um, showed Carson Palmer how to be a pro when he first came to the Bengals and the reason that the Bengals were able to sit him for a year and let him learn and develop was because they had John Kittner who was a, a competent if mm. not amazing quarterback and, and so I do think that this is there's enough talk and momentum and there's even sort of people doing trying to do developmental football um, I've heard a couple of story, you know, bits and pieces about leagues and developmental showpiece games and stuff. But I think at some point they will do it because the spread game in college and with quarterback development, the only other place that football players have to go once they will run out their universe, their university av- availability is to go to Canadian football, and that yeah. is different. And there's only so one, so many places. So I do think a developmental league makes sense in a lot of ways because there's only so much practice time. And this is the other problem that the NFL is running to, is that because of the limits that were necessarily negotiated, particularly what we're learning about head injuries. Um, in training there's only so much tra- practice that you can do with with mm. the, the guys that aren't your starters and so there's only so much development and what those young guys really need and particularly for, like the guys who are coming over from the UK and Europe that are beginning to find is they need reps and they need yeah, reps yeah. In, in as much game time practice and, and, and proper practice as possible that's it I mean that's that's one thing that we have over here in, in, in the other football um, we, we have the options of, of things like reserve teams um, to give players um, some competitive game times. I mean, is that is is that a format? Do you think they could possibly see happen? I I, I don't see like because it's not so much it's reserve games nah, maybe, but I think it could be a developmental league with like links into those teams. So yeah. you've, uh, basketball has it, and and they have have it. It's like a secondary league called the G League, which is running along. But pretty much all NBA teams now have like a, a G League team affiliate where they can send their players. So that so that it's a bit like with the reserve team where you have full control so they're playing the system you want to play they're doing the training that you want to play and it all links up and I think it makes some kind of sense it's a bit different in football in that um, obviously we just in the UK there are like four professional leagues and then semi-professional leagues after that so there's no chance of, of mm. there's very very little chance of a, a, a footballer of talent not being discovered at some point, you work through the system, even if they develop a bit later, they go into non-leagues. You know, you look at someone like Jamie Vardy for Leicester, who was playing non-league football and working in a warehouse. And there aren't those routes for, for American football players because there's 32 teams and like another seven in Canada. And that's it. So, you know, it's just not the same level of saturation, which is interesting given how obsessed America is with football. Don't run that over here. 
Okay, it's time for us to wrap up our look at the NFC, and we're moving west uh, to have a look at the NFC West and how, might, how they might uh, might do in 2017. So last year's uh, table finished the Seattle Seahawks at 10, 5, and 1. Uh, Arizona Cardinals were second at 7, 8, and 1. Uh, the LA Rams were 4 and 12, and the Sunday, uh, sorry, the San Francisco 49ers uh, were 2 and 14. Um, We'll start in Seattle with the Seahawks. Uh, last year, Pete Carroll's men made it through to the divisional week after topping the division, uh, but lost out 20-36 to the eventual NFC champions, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they finished with a record of 10-5-1, but given their consistency throughout the, the year, I personally thought that was a bit of a flattering record. They didn't win more than three games in a row all season. Um, Russell Wilson had a couple of niggling injuries throughout the season uh, last year, and, and looking at what they've done in the offseason, they've not really done much to to pick up much in the way of a backup quarterback. Do you think they're in a bit of trouble if his knee and ankle injuries make a bit of a reappearance this year? They could well be, and I don't want to belabor the Kaepernick point because we've covered that fairly extensively. Yeah, but it was interesting that Pete Carroll's basically come out and said said the thing was that they were looking for a backup quarterback and they believe that he should be challenging the starter, so it wasn't fit for their club. And we don't know how much money he was asking for and all that. But the bit that does worry me is that this is a team that have deliberately, and I say that because they haven't done it for a number of years, have not invested in um, their offensive line. And they've almost relied on the fact that Russell Wilson is so mobile and so elusive in a way to save money and spend it elsewhere and make their team roster work. And the problem with that has been is that last year it finally began to catch up because a quarterback can only take so many hits and... Russell Wilson is not built like Aaron Rodgers, yet alone Ben Roethlisberger. And I think he's a great quarterback, and I do think that they need to be focusing a bit more on the the offensive line if... Mm they're not going to get into trouble because even though he play, he didn't miss a game last season he was definitely hindered for large chunks of it yeah well on, on the other side of the ball though they've, they've got a pretty good defensive team haven't they they, they've, they have had for a few years well, obviously people like Richard Sherman uh, they're going to have Earl Thomas back as well for the beginning of the season as well um, are, they, are they still a defence to be feared do you think I do I think I think this is a defence that um, will be the defence that, that all Seattle teams will be um, compared to yeah. going forward and I think that for 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 a large number of for league, I think they're the sort of the, the team that follow on as the defense from that Ravens defense. To be mm-hmm. honest, um, and Earl Thomas demonstrated how important he was because with his injury at the end of the season, they really they looked they like a different team. They? And we've had so many p- people sort of talked about as sort of like you know Michael Bennett. Um, Richard Sherman, sort of Cam Chancellor, sort of like these are the guys that get organised and, and make for for defence work. And then actually, what really was was Earl Thomas and his range. And it is something to see if you if you're into watching the All Twenty Two. That it's sort of deceptively simple when they talk about their cover free, but just Earl Thomas moves so smoothly and just covers so much ground and just doesn't make many mistakes. Um, but you know, he's a, such an important part of that defence, and I don't think it's a surprise given that those players in the Legion of Boom are beginning to get up in age and obviously Shed was injured last season so was also having problems but they they picked up a couple of safeties and have been addressing that in the draft and and I think there will be Veril thereabouts again because they're competitive and I think that Pete Carroll is in more control of that of that locker room than sometimes is portrayed in the media and there's been a lot of focus off this season about the division between the offense and the defense and I think that that is that is going on. I don't think it should be discounted, but I do think that Pete Carroll is not afraid of having a fractious locker room and having letting his guys express themselves. And I'm so I, they weren't, you know, nothing's changed from last season. And there was talk about well, Richard Sherman, maybe we let him get away with too much, and we'll see how it is. But I like Richard Sherman, and I think that there's been so much success at the Seahawks that I don't see it stopping next year. 
No, I think you're probably right. Um, second place was the the, the Arizona Cardinals. Um, they finished 2015 as the form team in the league, but they they really struggled right from the start in 2016. Uh, and by the end of the season, they finished with just under a point five hundred record for the year uh, and and missed out on the uh, on, on the postseason. Um, personally, I'd really like to. Uh, obviously, they were on all or nothing last year the uh, on Amazon Prime. Um, Personally, I'd, I'd really like to have, have, have seen them in 2016 on that because I think it would have been really interesting to see what was going on behind the scenes uh, in Arizona last year. But um, they've stuck with Bruce Arians, which should obviously help uh, with stability. Uh, they get an extra preseason game this year as well because they, they face the Cowboys in the Hall of Fame game. Um, is that going to help them to find their feet, do you think, or is that just going to serve as another just another pointless preseason game? I think pointless is a little bit harsh yeah, and we'll cover that closer harsh. to the time but um, I don't think it gives anybody a particular advantage and it just means that they've come back to training camp a little earlier Yeah, yeah. or they will do but I think the, the big thing for me was obviously I'm a huge fan of Arians as I think I've made clear on this podcast several times <laughs> before twice. and I think he's him and his staff done a really good job but I mean as much as anything he had several health problems last year and mm. But they've got sort of the band back together. Um, Larry Fitzgerald is playing again. Um, Carson Palmer's back, although you know there was talk that he was carrying an injury and he wasn't himself and was better down the stretch. We'll just have to see how it is. I think maybe the finger was still bothering, or there was something there that I read that he wasn't quite himself. The problem with Palmer is that he's been brilliant for stretches and then looked fairly ordinary in certain big games, and and the narrative around him has been a lot, somewhat similar to Andy Dalton. Uh, although I feel that. You know, at the end, with certainly with his time with the Bengals, a lot of the problems were exposed when sort of you had Ocho Cinco and Hushman Zada fighting on the sidelines, and and it was fairly famed that Ocho Cinco couldn't even learn the playbook in the Patriots to to yeah. run, yeah, to to do the deep roll. So I think there was a certain amount of dysfunction that took him away from the Bengals, and it took him a few years to find his feet, but. The bit that worries me about is just like, as we've said with a couple of these old quarterbacks, when that arm goes, it just goes. And I think he's a great player. Um, and I just remember what it was. They were, he was basically, the, the coaching staff have had to stop him practicing so much. All right. They, okay. Basically, he's got to an age where they need to put him on a pitch count. And he's begun to accept the fact that because he's 30 something or other, as much as he wants to work on that timing, perhaps he, needs a he bit can. Of time off. Yeah. 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 And and he needs to keep up those mental reps, but you know he does. He needs to watch the arm because he needs to get it through the season, and that got his deep ball back. Yeah, I knew I'd read something about him this season. <laughs> and on the defense, I'm just hoping that um, Tyron Matthew um, is back and healthy because he's such an amazing player. Great and player, that isn't defense he? gets their attack back and their pass rush back. But yeah, I think they're in for another competitive season because Bruce Arians and his his, his team of. Uh, uh, have, have constantly created very competitive football teams and I'd be surprised if they don't have another up year this year Tyron Matthews coming over for uh, the, the next of the, the NFL UK forums isn't he have you seen yes that? and it's down Among in London I would, yeah it's nowhere near I would you know he's a player that I would absolutely love to shake by the hand and meet you know I, I, I'm a big fan of his and he seems to be an amazing guy I mean we yeah. we consumed the Amazon Prime Prime we're, we're not plugging the company particularly but just you know <laughs> the All or Nothing series um, was really really interesting and he definitely stood out as a player I, I'm not so sure about the whole you know standing at the front let, you know inspiring speeches style yeah. leadership but he does seem like a like a really great guy and yeah a, a really good football player we're definitely not plugging it, but the next team of this year's uh, <laughs> all or nothing team, uh, which which comes out as if you listen to this on the day the uh, the podcast comes out, then 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 today, um, 
Uh, LA Rams, the uh, 2016 was their first year in LA, uh, having moved from, from St. Louis. Uh, and it's fair to say that they have kind of taken some time to find their feet, I suppose, amongst their new surroundings. Uh, they got off to a pretty good start. They were 3-1 and one after week four. They only managed to, uh, to get one more win throughout the season uh, and lost every game from week 11 onwards. Um, Jeff Fisher, their former head coach, he, he was the, the major casualty of it, having lost his job after week 14. They've got Sean McVay in now, uh, Redskins uh, offensive coordinator from last year. Um, what do you think he brings to the role? Uh, youth. Youth, yeah. Good, yeah. <laughs> um, lots of positive things to say. He's a very young head coach, if I've got my, thing, if, if I've got my, uh, my teams right. <laughs> uh, worked under Jay Gruden, who I like. My problem with Gruden is that um, I think he's a very good 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 offensive coordinator but he tended to put too much on Andy Dalton's arm and I felt that his run balance got off so I'd be very interested to see what what happens with LA um, in their run ba- run pass balance bearing in mind the problems that Jared Goff had last season like yeah. barely appearing the problems that the um, Rams have had with their receiving goal for years now and the fact that Todd Gurley was really struggling because he had no offensive line to work behind now Andrew Whitworth is not going to solve those problems either long term or overnight but he at least gives a veteran presence who is an excellent excellent football player I was very sad to see him go from the Bengals and it does worry me but I can understand why they did it but he is only one player, but I, I think, you know, I'm interested to see how, what he does on offense. And then uh, if, if memory serves, it's Wade Phillips who's come in on, on defense. And that's actually a sign that I really like because you get a very experienced head, um, ex-head coach, defensive coordinator to, to sort of like beam around the block and advise you what you, you know, basically say it shows confidence that you're, yeah. that, that you're not afraid of having other voices in the room. And I think that's a good trait to have in a head coach. I've just, I've just had a look how old he is. He's a month older than me, less than a month older than me. Yeah, That's, no, it, wow. it, what have we done with our lives? I know, exactly. I'm, here we are doing podcasts. He's gone out and bloody got himself an head coach job. Fair play to him. Um, <laughs> you mentioned Jared Goff. Uh, obviously, he was first pick of, uh, of, of last year's draft, uh, but he didn't feature till very much at all to the, to the back end of the season. He still hasn't got a win under his belt, and they, they got rid of Case Keenum as well, didn't they, who... who um, who did kind of start for most of the season? He's gone to uh, gone to Minnesota. It doesn't look great for their passing game, does it? Yes and no. I, here's the thing. I think we we I mentioned Carson Palmer and him sitting for the Bengals for a year. That almost seems to have gone. And I think the problem is that quarterback develop, development. There's t- kind of two schools. There's a throw him in because nothing will teach him more than reps and there's the we need to get them let them settled and you know get calmed down because if you the worst thing you can do is put them in too early when their confidence is no good and they'll get beat up Jared Goff didn't get too much option and frankly given what we saw in Hard Knocks you can sort of understand why but you you can't let that go on for too long it's one thing to let him sit for the first year and try and find his feet in the league but He's your first round pick. You've drafted an awful lot of picks to get him. Aaron Donald is not getting any younger, and he is just an amazing player. So they really need to find out if they've got you know somebody who mm. can be the starter for them in a franchise quarterback. So they do, and there's no better way to find out than dropping him in. A brand new head coach, <laughs> a brand new a brand new situation. So you know they know they've got a couple of years. Let's find out what we've got, and you know if yeah. we turn it around or if we need to do something. Final team in the NFC, uh, it's San Francisco 49ers. Um, this will be Carl Shanahan's first season with as, as a head coach. He arrived obviously from Atlanta. Uh, we're looking to make a big impact following their 2-14 their and 14 season last year. Uh, the two wins for the season were both at the expense of the Rams, but other than that, they, they really struggled and, and, and were on the end of some, some quite heavy losses. Um, it looks like they're going to be starting with Brian Hoyer, a quarterback, who they picked up from the Bears. Uh, they've, they've dropped Colin Kaepernick, which we've obviously spoken about numerous times so far, so I won't <laughs> go into it. Um how do you see Brian Hoyer doing? 
I think this is. I like. I was surprised good by match, how good jo- John Lynch was was early, and I think if you want sort of like a placeholder quarterback who quietly won, you know, I was impressed with him when he was back with the Browns. I, he's not an elite quarterback or anything like that, but what they desperately need is to right the ship in competency. This yeah. is, you know, and nobody is under any impressions that you're going to turn around the two and fourteen team overnight. But I've been really impressed with how Shanahan's gone about it. Forging a partnership with Lynch, I thought they did really well in the draft, which sort of, I'm not saying that the job is easy, but clearly Lynch had done preparation, and I don't know how he managed to trade down and keep the player that he wanted. What the Bears were thinking, I have no idea. But I like the draft. I think they've got a lot of young talent, and I'm hopeful that Shanahan, with the kind of players he's picked up, he clearly knows what he wants in terms of he's got the fullback he wants. And I think that they will improve. I don't think they will improve drastically. I don't think they'll be fighting for the division this year. But I, I really think that you know, if they stick with this for a num- couple of years, that a bit, I, I'm beginning to feel like what I was saying about the Browns when they had their new approach. Um, you know, it's too early to say if the Browns will definitely work out. But I think this, I feel like this will be be a faster job already, just mm-hmm. from the, the fact that I, I feel like they've got more players already and they dumped into free agency. The Browns try to bottom out, bottom out. I think you can see that in San Francisco, they're doing something similar in building through the draft, but they also wanted those veterans to come in to show the locker room how to be pros. And I like Brian Hoyer as, as like your, your, your let's get this place respectable and install a culture and then we'll see if we can find the young stud quarterback to go for the future yeah agreed he's got a tough job on his hands hasn't he he's obviously gone he very very nearly won the won the super bowl last year he's now he's gone to the 31st ranked team in the league um, he's got what's he going to do have to do to, to steady that ship well, I think he's sort of already done it. He's got he's got a mixture of the young players that he will want to develop for the future and certain sort of like veterans to help help lead the way uh, the other thing that sort of like an interesting team building point is that there's two schools of thoughts that basically you do whatever you do to get a franchise quarterback but I think we've seen with what the Browns are doing and the 49ers approach that they've rather than going oh yes we must have a quarterback and overdrafting them in a, in, in a year when they're not too keen on it the other way of doing it is put the rest of the team around it first so that you have something you know a team that will do something when you get that quarterback because if you just go oh we need a franchise quarterback and we have nothing you bottom out and you're the Browns of last year say if you put in say say you drafted Jared Goff yeah. and you're forced to play him and you're forced to play him, play him behind that porous um uh, Brown's uh, O-line last season then what are you teaching your young quarterback other than how to get beaten up and, and it, I sort of quite like the idea that as important as a quarterback is if you can get you know quality a certain level of quality standard play you can maybe build up your team get enough talent that you can then maybe trade or do whatever you need to do to get that franchise quarterback that maybe it might be smarter to build the rest of the team first yeah um, you, I think you're probably right there to be fair it's just I'm never sure if there's a like completely right or completely wrong way to way to do it, but it's the kind of thing that I do like to think about, and I just I just it feels like I like that approach. Yeah, well, I can I can certainly see why. <laughs> <laughs> and sort of with with the way that Shanahan and 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 Matthew Ryan were working last season, and I, I feel like if nothing else, he will know what to do and know how to put his offensive players in a position to best do what they can do. And I feel that's really important because it feels like a long time since the 49ers had anything like yeah. a competent offence. Yeah. Final, pin, final piece then, uh, your favourite part of the uh, the podcast at the moment. Who do you think is going to win the NFC West this year? Um, 
I think it's going to be between the Cardinals and the Seahawks again. Oh, you you fence sitter. I, I always am. I mean, <laughs> it's too early to tell. I I think by week two or three, I will have an inkling of how the Cardinals will do. Yeah, because I, I I really like them a team, and I think they could bounce back in a big way. But yeah, I know I. There are some divisions where it's like, oh, you're fence-sitting and, and, and it's not. But I think most divisions this season, it feels like there's one or two teams that will be in contentions. I'm pretty happy to write off the Rams and the 49ers. Oh, yeah, but I think you're whilst right. Whilst I'm very happy with the 49ers' general direction, I'm still a little bit worried about the Rams because of a brain trust. And I don't want to jinx like their new coaching staff, but it's just... I like some of their moves in the front office, but given their recent history, it doesn't feel like it's got the, oh, we're doing something new with GM and head coach, and they're already looked to be in lockstep and there being a plan. And so the Rams worry me. The 49ers I'm hopeful for, but I just think they're a ways away. And I do think it's just it's going to be whether, how, whether Carson Palmer holds up and how the Seahawks do. My, you know, I'd favour the Seahawks, I think, initially, but it would not surprise me because I love Bruce Arians and I think that team has a lot of potential, that they could swing swing well into the playoffs and possibly Super Bowl contention if, if things go right for them. Cardinals, Seahawks, 49ers, Rams. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's all we've got time for this week. Thanks very much for listening. If you've liked what you've heard, please do remember to uh, give us a like, a subscribe, and a review through wherever you, uh, whatever medium you procure your podcast. It really does help us to get into as many pairs of ears as we possibly can. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks uh, with a roundup of the news between now and then. Uh, we'll also be starting our AFC preview by looking at the AFC. Who day? I say I'll be making sure the uh, the G Claxon is fully charged and ready. Uh, in the meantime, check out thewrongfootball.com for more from uh, the mind of G. And remember, if you want to get in touch with us, you can either drop us an email to T. TWF podcast at outlook.com or find either G or myself on Twitter at wrongfootball or at TWF Dan. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Bye.